This is the Authentic Entrepreneurs Podcast with your host, Nick Foley and Stu Saunders. Here we go. go, go. This is what I got to say. All right, Mr. Nicholas Foley, it's Stu Saunders and... I already said your name, but say it again. My name is Nick Foley. For those of you who didn't listen five seconds ago, my name is Stu Saunders, and we are the Authentic Entrepreneurs. Yay! Who is this? You know what? This is not the song I thought it was. <laughs> this is Bombastic by Bonnie McKee. Oh, I thought it was Mr. Mr. Bombastic. Bombastic. That's what I thought it was. Well, you know what? Bonnie McKee needs a little love, man. If you get any time, if you want listeners out there, go listen to Bonnie McKee. I'm looking for a good song. That was a good song. Bonnie McKee is no. a voice of an angel. Here you go. This is this is for you. I know this song. What is this? I don't know the words, but what's that called? Mikey, what's it called? Poke me the chin. <laughs> Poker face. What do you mean, oh, by, by Poker face. By by Lady Lady Gaga. Yeah, there you go. That was their first one, right? Their first one? Ladies, Lady Gaga's one person. Mikey, like, I, what is this one? And he goes... Yeah, if you're watching online, you can see he actually was poking himself in the, in the face. face. I'm like, poke me in the face. That's a Which great... was very creative. Hey, that's your next movie. That's why movie. he's a producer and a filmmaker, because he's creative. Exactly. Um, for those who don't know me, my name is Stu Saunders. Uh, I'm Nick Foley, and, and I'm listening... still a part of this podcast. Yeah, you're listening to the Authentic, Authentic Entrepreneurs uh, episode number 40-something or other. I don't know. We should take it's, better track of... It's mailed in this week. No, it's not. <laughs> Please don't listen to that. It's a great episode. We have a great, oh, no, no, we have a great, great The episode's interview. great. It's you and me in the intro. It's not... Um. Yeah. What's uh? What's happening in your life right now? You got some anything exciting happening? Anything new? Any big things happening for you in the your business? Uh, you're just plugging away. Really, it's a, you know it's the summer. summer the dog yeah. dog is the summer for me. My my business. Uh, you know, people still buy socks in the summer. I know that. Mm-hmm. And uh, but my business is not quite as busy as as what it is for you. I know it's a, it's huge your for us. yeah it's a huge huge time. So we're kind of on different uh, contingencies sometimes. But yeah. although you got you're busy all the time, man. I don't know. I am busy all the time. But, but my, think, my thing is February and, and you know January, March, the things like that when we got those big campaigns going, right? So. Yeah, absolutely. And then your speaking career throughout the school. Well, yeah, September to June, it's like full it's on. It's pretty full on. Yeah, and we got a busy summer. YLCC, got another you know 1,600 and something kids coming. Whole hum. Yeah, it's going to be a great, great summer. And we've got a great partner, uh, uh, got a great partner, sorry, great staff and a great director in Ashbear. And so you have, I've been at your camp. I spoke there many times. Do you have, like, how many people do you have on camp, on staff, or on campus like around at the camp at the same time like what's the capacity or the most you've had um i think our biggest week with staff and campers is about 280 to 290 somewhere in there a lot of people we feed that so we feed close to 300 people every single day three meals a day wow for eight straight weeks and for those of you listening i don't know if um your kids go to camp or if you were thinking i go to camp but i I, went to camp yeah or you went to camp I've been to that camp specifically. Stu's the only camp that I've been to specifically. To YLCC. To YLCC. Uh, and I spoke there several times. And it is a well-oiled machine. They have a rock star of a camp director up there, Ash Bear, who does whole, a phenomenal job. The whole job. support staff and that we call the Falcon Council yeah, that works around us yeah. are amazing. I don't know them personally. I know some of them, I guess. But uh, I know Sydney Ash. Sydney and stuff. Oh, yeah. I know Sydney. Yeah, yeah. I know them. And, and um, uh, uh, you know. Um, the girl that I met. I think I met her. I can't remember her name. but Alyssa? You know, Alyssa, she was, the, she played hockey and was, uh, Oh yeah. Was I've met a lot of the camp. My point is, is that if you're listening and you're thinking about taking your kids to camp, 
I would uh, highly recommend, uh, you got the Nick Foley stamp of approval if that means anything, but I would highly recommend going to YLCC. And this isn't a paid endorsement. This is just me talking about my buddy's camp because I've been there several times and it is a well-oiled machine. Yeah. And uh, so YLCC.com is where you yeah, can check get it info out. with that. You can still get, is there still spots available? There's certain people? spots available because it's, you know, it's kind of based on it's like the, the ratios area. and the yeah. programs and some, when some fill up quick, some don't. Some programs we have room in, in one week, but not another program so it's the best thing to do is the email email us at, at info at ylcc.com or there just go. go check the website out um, what's on the agenda today stewie today we've got an interview episode right. um we're talking a little bit about branding and and creating a movement and we're going to talk to natalie davison and natalie's uh, the visionary gets she works with clients uh in building and thinking bigger about their businesses um she's an expert at building audiences particularly in the social media her work in the space has been recognized by canadian contractor magazine the financial post uh, and social media for business for dummies. Natalie's professional career has been heavily influenced by her many years in residential real estate and new construction home building, home building as a sales and marketing manager. Um, we're super excited to have Natalie on the show today. So without further ado, please enjoy our, all the way from New Brunswick. Canadian. Canadian from New Brunswick, uh, Canada. Uh, please welcome uh, uh, and enjoy our conversation with Natalie Davison. <laughs> All right, so we are pumped, as you heard in the intro. Um, we got Nallie Davison with us, uh, all the way from beautiful New Brunswick, Canada. Right? Am I right? You are right. I am in Moncton, New Brunswick. Uh, in Canada, home of the the global champion Toronto Raptors. Yes. I yes. say. I say that because, yes, you're in Moncton, but there are people in America who listen to our show and other parts of the world that might not know that Moncton and Toronto are not side by each. Touche. And there is New Brunswick, New Jersey, which also gets a little confusing from time to time. Yes. And there's Toronto, Italy. There is? Yes. Not Torino? It's Toronto? Maybe it's Torino. Anyway. <laughs> what did you do to watch? Did you watch the game yesterday? So I actually didn't. I uh, I do like live sports and basketball but I also really like we have this ritual in our house where there's a big championship game and my husband gets super jazzed and he watches it alone and <laughs> I go to bed early it's this really cool thing we do it's uh yeah yeah it's our tradition well you know it's amazing <laughs> because that tradition was picked up in the Foley household where my wife gets really jazzed about it and I go to bed early so I know you're an hour ahead of us and I go to bed I couldn't I couldn't stay up and Bless the Raptors. I'm a big fan now because they won, and and I I but Brooke, my wife watches it like watched it every game from the beginning, and I was like, I can't stay up. This the, especially the finals because it was like the Pacific tone uh, Pacific Coast time zone, and I was like nine o'clock. Are you kidding? Like I am up. I'm done going to bed. So yeah, I think we're a little spoiled nowadays. We can get access to the highlight reel. Yeah, exactly. And mm, I'm a, I'm a highlight reel kind of person. Yeah, but too. what's really interesting here in Moncton is we have this. Uh, really big stadium that was built just last year and they actually lowered the scoreboard that turns into a big screen and filled the stadium so what you would usually see for a live sporting event they came to watch wow. the Raptors last night they call those um, really neat in their city. Amazing. The, the Jurassic Parks that's what they were calling those the Jurassic Parks right yeah. right now yes. having said all of this um, you should know that when this episode plays 
it will be a month ago that the Raptors have won the, the championship. So um, we're still just basking in the glory, aren't we, Natalie? I love being in the future. Yeah, we are in the future. <laughs> exactly. Welcome back to the future. Um, so, Natalie, we're so pumped to have you on the show um, on The Authentic Entrepreneurs for a couple of reasons. One, because, first off, we love having Canadians on the show. Um, we have a lot of American uh, shows, a lot of American guests, sorry. So we have a Canadian one. We've had uh, yourself on. We've had Ron on. Uh, Greg Wells. Greg Wells on. Um, I think that's it. That's it, I think. Otherwise, it's all been Americans. <laughs> oh, uh, Leanne what Davey. What a lineup. Oh, oh, we had Leanne Davey as well. Leanne Davey was on. Um, oh, so awesome. lots of great people. And, you know, and we share a, um, a connection through a great group of uh, professional speakers. Um, and that's how we got to know each other. So... First off and foremost, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. I love this kind of stuff. So Natalie, how, how did you get to, um, Marrow's your organization, your company. Yes. Um, and, and I want to know, I want to go back, because as you know, I work a lot with young people. Um, my kind of my, my wheelhouse, my passion is, is, is the younger generation. I enjoy adults, but I just feel more hopeful with young people sometimes. Um, and so, but what would you like, I want to know kind of like where you were, um, Moncton, New Brunswick. Could you go to Moncton high? I did. So where, what were you dreaming of Natalie ninth grade, Adelie, Natalie at Moncton high school? What were you thinking about? What were you well, wanting to do? My first year at Moncton high school, yeah. there's this really amazing motivational speaker that came. The first one I had ever seen in my life. Oh. And, uh, you might've heard of him. His name's Stu Saunders. What? <laughs> <laughs> you could have told me you're yeah. gonna say that. This is the yeah. worst. Isn't that crazy? That's not why. That's not why I asked you the question. I will, <laughs> I will say. I will say, and I'll give Sue credit because I never give him credit. He did not know you were gonna give that answer. So that's that's really authentic. Good for you. <laughs> um, and actually, I meant to bring my yearbook down because there's a big like spread oh, in gosh. the yearbook that year with Stu in it, which was hilarious. Oh, um, but uh, I didn't. I didn't see you on stage and think, "Oh, I'm going to be that guy." But I, I will, or lady, that person, as it, as it turned out. Um, but what's interesting is I do remember that, and I remember being thinking, "I can't believe that people can make a living doing what you're doing." Yeah. So that was just absolutely amazing to me because I was raised, as many of us are, in a uh, household that really wanted me to go get a very serious career. Yes. And make sure that, job. you know, the risk was managed in terms of what I was going to do with my life. And so um, I had a pretty easy time in school and my dreams involved uh, not having debt, which I have failed miserably on that dream, um, not taking any risk. So I was probably, you know, I was looking at like law or medicine or something very, very traditional and safe. And um, I really in hindsight, shoved down a lot of creativity to be able to kind of swallow that ideal for myself in the future. And I remember at the end of my university career, I call this my creative low point, and I was in an interview with an accounting firm looking at options for the following year. No offense to accountants out there. No, we love accountants. Um, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I really, really wanted to be a good girl and do all of the things that my grandparents thought I should do and my parents and you know just really listen well dress nicely and take care of all of the people that was that was the aspiration okay so um so you you want you, your parents uh, most parents want their kids to have that as you said traditional and have a nine to five 
very secure job with perhaps maybe a, a pension plan, perhaps maybe a some sort of a um, I don't know, like health benefits, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, we're secure because that, that's where our parents' generation marked success, right? Was having that type of security. Um, being an entrepreneur is a whole nother thing. Uh, yeah, it's the opposite of all those things. Yeah, exact opposite, <laughs> right? And so you, you, you didn't, you didn't obviously go into law. Uh, you didn't become an accountant, um, at least not full time or anyway. So when did you make the transition into entrepreneurship? When did you decide that that was the path, the entrepreneurial path? Yeah, so I stayed really, really focused on my risk aversion until um, three years ago, actually. So I I worked for large companies in some type of sales or marketing capacity. So that was my creative my creative expression is, you know, just like basically following the rules still right. within a large organization because it was safe enough. And um, I had an opportunity to go work for a local home builder here in Moncton in 2010 as a sales and marketing manager and because that person was an entrepreneur i was terrified i was terrified to work for an entrepreneur like like we weren't anywhere near me considering to be an entrepreneur um so i felt like that was too risky and so i ended up deciding to take that that risk and that leap and go work there and i spent five years learning from one of the most uh, driven brilliant entrepreneurs i've ever met and if you think back to that high school kid that I was trying to get really good marks and get in a really good schools and do all the right things. This guy I was working for was my age and he was all the opposite things. So he was kicked out of school and he was the, you know, he was the rogue who I would have never imagined that I would be the girl working for that guy kind of thing. And he taught me so much. And so some shifts happened in the market. My job was eliminated and I was like, here I was with nothing else to do. And so I just started taking contracts here and there while I figured out what my next job was gonna be and accidentally grew a business. So talk to us a little bit more about your business so that our listeners can understand like what exactly your business, you know, what you do. And, and so just give them some insight yeah. on your what your focus is these days. What Marrow's doing. What Marrow is doing. So Marrow is a purpose-driven content marketing agency, and we do content communication strategies for our clients. So we help people really dig um, to the core of what's in their organization already, the Marrow, if you will. I like that. And That's a great name, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> you like that? That is a good name. That's a really good that name. And already exist that should be their key message. So. For far too long, I believe marketing's been about how can we spin something to look good, to drive a benefit, and not enough about how do we just actually tell the truth consistently over and over in a way that helps us win. And so that's what we, we do for our clients. We help build those messages, but they always already exist. And oftentimes those messages are the things that people have shame about. So for example, I have a client who's a software firm and they're about 30 years old. And one of the things that they don't want to do is show screenshots of their product on their website because it looks kind of old. It's not super sexy interface, but it's very reliable and very robust and they have the best service in the industry and they have all these wonderful things going for them and they're doing very, very well, but they're scared to show the screenshots. And so as we started working through this, it comes down to saying, well, you know, what? How do we? How do we create the fact that you have this old-looking software as a benefit? And so we reposition this now into the fact that, well, we're not a startup. 
There's a lot of advantages to not being a startup. There's a lot of things that are really, really good for our customers about us not being a startup. So let's start to articulate those benefits, pull them out into key messages, and then we create content over that over that message for the long term. Yeah. yeah. What, what, what's the most? Uh, what's the the what's the project that you've worked on? You're most proud of. Project I'm the most proud of. Like in in this entrepreneurial building your business and doing what you're doing. What what are you most proud of? Project or moment? Um, we have a brand here in Atlantic Canada that I'm really proud of. I worked on with our friend Chris Bryce for the Atlantic Ballet Theater of Canada. And uh, it is a beautiful, beautiful brand with beautiful key messages. And um, I'm so proud of that brand in, in so many ways. But what I'm most proud of is that we've helped this organization that really shouldn't exist in a city the size of Moncton go tell their story on a global scale. So we have this, the Atlantic Valley Theater of Canada um, has like 20 full-time dancers. They're paid a salary to dance ballet wow. and they travel the world putting on shows in, you know, selling out shows in the largest cities globally, in Europe, everywhere. And they, these people come here and live right here in Greater Moncton. So when you look at the size of our city and our reach, Things like this shouldn't exist. And so when you're able to work on brands like that, where somebody is just completely performing outside of their weight class and um, and making an impact so much larger than you would ever imagine, that just uh, is the most rewarding. What are you seeing like in, you know, working with entrepreneurs, what do you like, young entrepreneurs that are out there listening to this, thinking to themselves, I, you know, I want to get my brand on point. You know, what would be some of the, yeah. you know, some of the questions that you would you would get them to ask or some of the advice that you would give entrepreneurs that are trying to get their brand to tell the, the really authentic messages that... Yeah. Is there that, an activity or a, a series of questions you ask people and they want to build that out, that story, the marrow, the other story? Yeah, when we do that, um, the questions in, kind of inform themselves based on where the person's at in their journey. Self-awareness is a really interesting thing. And when I say self-awareness, um, I could be working with a solopreneur or we could be working with a larger organization, um, but the identity of the organization, the brand or the self of the organization, I'm using that word interchangeably. And so, you know, self-awareness, is just, it, it's not static. You can't check a box and say, I'm self-aware or I'm not. That's constantly, it's like they say the, the analogy of the onion, you can go deeper and deeper and deeper. And so really um, my job is to figure out where is the comfort level of that organization with who they really are? What are they willing to share comfortably now? And how can I just move them kind of one step deeper? And so that's going to involve, you know, general questions about, you know, what's going on, what's great in your organization right now, where are your challenges? And oftentimes they'll say, well, we don't really have any, any challenges to share in this meeting. And so then that's my job to start kind of asking more questions and until I can find a little inconsistency in that. And when I see an inconsistency, then I can continue to ask questions about that inconsistency so we can reveal what, what's hidden in there. Right. Because there's always something hiding. It's part of the story. Yeah, yeah, and the true story. And it's, you know, for far too long, I think we've been taught that in business, we have to craft a narrative. That, and, and we act like that's a, like a new narrative that doesn't already exist. It's, and we don't work enough on self-awareness. We don't work enough on actually just figure out how to tell the truth that's right. the thing we're most afraid to do go ahead we've got clearly you can tell Stu and i are kind of 
talking over each other because you have so many questions to ask you. So this is like, this is so insightful. So if I was, you know, if I was just starting, if you were giving uh, words of advice for young entrepreneurs out there when it comes to their branding and marketing strategy, you know, they don't have a lot of money to start up, but you're giving them the, the advice, you know, what would one, what's one word of advice that you think that, you know, has helped you when you, when you started, you know, when you started Marrow and you, you started your own entrepreneurial journey and what is some of the advice that you would give young entrepreneurs now? The most important thing, um, and, and my kids have little businesses like Lemonade Stand, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but the most important thing, whether you're 10 or you're 90, is uh, to have the courage to identify who your ideal customer is. And that freaks people out. Sure. And so we spend a lot of time trying to give people the courage to actually hone in and figure out who that ideal customer is. And when I say that, I'm talking about who is the customer that instantly derives the most value from what you do. There's nothing worse than having a client who you're convincing all the time. You're trying to prove yourself all the time and be like, remember, I'm so good. Remember, remember, you know, we all have those clients that we spend so much time proving that we're eating our profit because we're, we're wasting time. We're wasting creativity, energy, reproving all the time. And so your ideal customer are those people and those organizations that you serve that see your value immediately. And if you're new in business, they're usually your first follower. Right. Yeah. And so those are your most valuable ideal customers. And so what I, I try to get people to do is recognize the value in that. Like I think back to, we have a program called the Marketing Lab and it's a seven week intensive where we teach marketing to entrepreneurs. And the first time we launched that, I can't, I still can't believe nine people stepped up it was a brand new program they'd never heard of. They didn't know the curriculum because guys, I pre-sold it and wrote it as we went. It <laughs> well was done. insane. That's entrepreneurship in all, itself. Yeah, exactly. They invested four, uh, four figures each in, yeah. in to this program and they were all startups, solopreneurs. It was a lot of money for them. Mm -hmm. And so those core nine people, I am still serving like a year and a half later as much as I can. So I'm constantly surveying them. I'm constantly trying to figure out what's going on in their business and then i put that out in the world for everybody but hoping to attract more of those those nine those early nine that just saw the value before i could even articulate it i like that and you use the term first followers can you explain what that means a little bit um yeah so i got the term first followers actually from i stole it it's not my brilliance. Um, but there's a, a video and it's Derek Sivers in a TED talk and it's a super short little TED talk and he plays a video about how to start a movement. I don't know if you guys have ever seen it or not. I love Derek. Um, it's, it. Yeah, it's pretty cool, right? Yeah. And so what happens is there there's all these people at a concert and this weird shirtless guy gets up and starts dancing in this very weird way and he's just this like lone weirdo. I think he calls him a lone weirdo in the video. <laughs> so those um, are his terms. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> and so the lone weirdo is just a lone weirdo until he gets his first follower. And so the first follower all of a sudden makes it a little safer to be the second follower, the third follower, or the fourth follower. And as that crowd of weird dancing people grows, they're not the weird ones anymore. And at a certain time, when they get a certain critical mass, they become the mainstream. But that first follower is absolutely the most valuable because without that first follower, there was no leader. That's right. He wouldn't become a leader. He just stayed a lone weirdo. Just a guy dancing. And so those essential first few people that follow your brain that see the value before you're even super clear on it yourself, they're the gold. They and they're the brave ones. Like 
oftentimes first followers are braver than the leader themselves because they're saying, you know what, I'm ready to step away from the crowd for something that like, I'm not in charge of. Right. I'm not actually driving the ship. Yeah. I'm going to go sit on this roller coaster that you're driving and have this much faith in what you're telling me, but I don't get to drive. Yeah. The, the, the nine people that you got when you first started that course, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. 100%. So how, how do you like, you know, you, you talk about, you know, first followers, I think it's, yeah, it's, it's a, that's a great analogy. So talk about starting a movement and things of that nature. So how do you combine the two? Like, how do you like, you get your first followers to combine, you know, starting a movement, starting something that, that gets people worth talking. What do you, have you seen in your experience to get people um, that are, you know, to, to get people to start to, to follow something because they, they're hearing about it, they're seeing something like what, what are you seeing as far as like, you know, what first followers are doing to start these movements? So one of the most important things is um, to make sure that your first followers feel psychological safety. Right. So that because they're taking a big that. risk in being that first follower. Yeah. And this is like regardless of whether we're talking about entrepreneurship or, um, you know, politics or any kind of movement, really. It's making sure that when somebody is brave enough to take a risk and follow you, you create an environment in which um, they are not completely alienated because it's lonely to be a first follower. Right. And so it's really important on behalf of your organization to take those first followers and, and create community around them as fast as possible. If you get nine of them like I did, they have a community with each other, which is amazing. And then you nurture that and you must over deliver so that they feel like they made the right choice. Right. Because we always default to a negative. And so immediately they're gonna say, do I have briar's remorse, did I do the right thing, did I do the right thing? So you have to give them the opportunity to, to say, yeah, I did the right thing, I did the right thing, I did the right thing. And once that is like solid, those first followers become your salespeople. And so our second lab, I barely had to recruit for. So it was, we were ready to go. Yeah, because I, as it my came first from lab the first, yeah, exactly. And the first yeah. followers are your early adapters, right? Yeah, they're your early adapters and they're the ones, you know, like. And I think we can all think of them. They, they, like, they can be your early adopters. Sometimes they come on along later because they haven't heard of you before, but they share that same quality in which they're profitable, mm -hmm. they give you and your team joy, mm -hmm. and they don't drain you, and you know they're likely to come back. And so when you see those qualities coming up over and over again, you can, you can find those ideal customers or the, the late first followers and make sure that you're taking extra care of them as well to nurture that. Um, Natalie, you, you um, have also kind of been, you know, doing that foray into the speaking world. Um, and how, how what, what, what's, what, what's, your, what's your passionate plea when you're in front of a group? What do you, what's, your, what's your message? What's your story? So I do a lot of speaking about marketing, Yeah. Um, to be honest. Like, which, I, like, and which I, and we I love. want to be clear, that, like, that's what I do to pay the bills. Um, but I've had the opportunity to do a lot of speaking that's more personal, which is really interesting at, at more personal events. So uh, I'm speaking at Level Up this year, which you spoke at last year, Stu. Um, and in those moments, um, I've been able to share some really, I think, exciting insights on creativity and what it's like to be a creative person who experiences creative shame and goes through this journey that I shared at the beginning, where, right, I, where right. you find yourself sitting in a accounting interview. Right. But, you know, you know, you were put on the planet to make stuff right um so you know so it's not as polished as most speakers and i'm totally okay with that um it's so great at this point in my career you know i'm not making millions of dollars speaking but i am uh very comfortable sharing what's on my heart very openly and 
that's working for me. So, mm-hmm. yeah. you, and you, and that is, what's what do they call it? Your heart song? Is that is that something that my is, heart song? Oh, I've never heard it that way, but I like it. Very much. That, yes, it's the thing that makes your heart sing. That you, you get your heart gets excited about the heart. Your heart song. Yeah, is the thing you know, I, I just like. First of all, I'm so inspired by speakers who have a great keynote and delivered over and over and over. Like I, I love that, and it's I. I look up to so many of those people. Um, and I'd like to think that I'm gonna be that person someday, but the truth of the matter is, I, I always have something more to say. And so, you know, I have, I have a great keynote, but then like next year I have like, yeah, but I learned all this new stuff. Yeah, which is great. I can't, I can't go tell that again. Yeah, yeah. There's one thing I'm not I, that person anymore. Mm-hmm. One thing I learned about speaking, Natalie, and for 30 years I've been doing it, um, done more than 3,000 speeches now, um, but I, I always feel like, you know, my message has always been true to my heart, what I love. Like, you know, don't be afraid of looking stupid with my message growing up. Like, you know, you know, be yourself. Like, don't take judgment too seriously. But that, that message has always been there, but the way I deliver it has completely changed. So it, it, it changes and it adapts. And I remember once hearing a great speaker. Um, at an event, I was in Nevada speaking at a state leadership conference, and I went out for chicken wings with this guy, and he's kind of a, a well-known speaker in the youth industry named Phil. And Phil said, you know, Stu, there are four stages to a speaker. The first stage is you just want to be on the stage. You don't care what the stage is, where the stage is, who you're talking to, just get me on a stage, let me speak. The second stage is you want to want to make people laugh. Because if they laugh, that's verbal acknowledgement they're listening. So if they're laughing at something you're saying, then they're like, oh my gosh, they're listening to me now. Like they're they're engaged. The third stage is you want to make um, you want to make uh, a connection with them so you want them to to nod so when you're telling that story and they're like yeah Natalie yeah I'm with you on that that make yes that's a good point so the nod is the third stage and the fourth stage is you want to make a difference so it doesn't it, it becomes less about you and more about your journey and what you're trying to really like you don't care if it's you don't care if anybody remembers your name what you care about is they remember your message and your point and your and what you're trying to uh, convey and so you know I think that your excitement for what you want to share is this is like this is weird it's becoming like me telling you advice here but um, but I think like you're on that path like you're on that that you know that that you're moving towards that fourth stage of your journey where you just want to make that difference I appreciate that so much and like I'm a rabid learner like I like like I'm insatiable about learning about what I care about I'm not insa- like there's things I really don't want to learn about. <laughs> um, but I've spent a lot of time over the past few years for example trying to learn about um, truth and reconciliation in Canada sure I don't speak about that necessarily but uh, I was asked to participate on a panel last week to talk about diversity and so I had an opportunity um, to share some of my learnings and on my pan- on the panel with me was a leader from our First Nations here in New Brunswick and we had this opportunity to have a really really important dialogue am I going to like turn that new keynote on my website absolutely not um, but what I want to be able to do is have real conversations yes. that yeah. are probably uncomfortable and um, I want people to nod their heads and I want them to laugh and I want to share what I know today right. and that's different than what I knew yesterday yeah and I have no idea what I'm gonna to know tomorrow. it'll change it'll change next week you yeah know? and, and so like that's really like not the most marketable thing and and that's totally fine if my life never got better than it is today I'm a pretty happy camper um, but 
you know, I just, maybe like, maybe I'm a dreamer, but I just really, really feel that learning and sharing and learning and sharing is an important thing to do. Yeah, I think if your core belief stays the same, the stories you yeah. tell and how you get there is gonna change the doubt. And then that's great. Like my, I think my core message at the end of the day is being yourself, it's about being you. It's not being afraid of looking stupid, that being my name, Stu, being in the word stupid, right? So growing up, and that's what kids call me growing up, they call me Stu and then they'd say Pid. That was like the big joke growing up. So I always flip it to being stupendous. Anyway, that's not about me. But the point is, I think that what you're saying is that the story is, and the message is so important. Uh, the marrow of you, the marrow of your brand, the marrow of your story, it's all so important. Yeah, and it is, and you know, we talk about it all day long when it comes to marketing and really getting to the truth and really being yourself. It's a very, very similar message in that regard. Um, but I also want to live that in my life. Yeah. And so, you know, I'll never forget, um, there was a speaking events in my region in the fall and everybody was like, are you going to speak at this event? You've spoken at it every year. Are you coming back? And I was like, I, no, I'm not, I'm not doing really any speaking right at the moment. And um, Rude asked why. I was going through some stuff. I had lost my grandfather and... I was like, guys, you know, I'm, I'm calling this like a season for listening. Oh, I like that. I don't okay. want to talk about anything right now. I'm in a season for listening. And this whole fall, that's when I met, I met you in the fall. I was, I was like full on deep in my season for listening when we met. Um, but it was a really important time for my development. And I was like, you know what? I don't, I don't have anything to say today. And it took me a couple of months to just kind of settle into you know, some of the changes that were happening in my life and give me time to, to analyze them and make sure that my message still mattered the way I thought it did and it does, which is good. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't, I don't know. I just don't, I'm not really, it's for somebody who is so risk averse, I don't care much about what other people <laughs> think about how things should be done. I'm not a fan of shits. Well, you, you know, I remember, I'm sorry, Nick, I have another thought is I remember I heard this years ago speaking for for so long. One of the biggest things you can be as a good speaker, a good person, what your stage is is irrelevant, but as a speaker, it's really a stage. Um, your stage could be where you work, your stage could be where you play, your stage could be whatever, but as a speaker, it's important to be the same person on stage and off stage. And often speakers are not the same person on stage and off stage. Exactly. So it's like very, you know, I guess two-faced, it's very, you know, and I, you told me a story um, about uh, about winning an award and you turning it down. Yeah. Can you share that, or is that you don't you don't you don't have to? It's okay. No, we totally can. Because um, that's authenticity. I, I said, yeah, because I was like, did I tell you that? Yes, you did. <laughs> um. So yeah. So I didn't win an award. I or you was were nominated. nominated. I was nominated. nominated. Sorry. So, um, and uh, you know, if anybody's listening from my hometown, I love you all. Um. <laughs> But I was nominated recently for the very first ever top 20 under 40 in my city. And I'm 39. So, like, you know, this just is cutting. like my one and only shot. You're right? right up against the wire there. You're right up against the wall in that one, Natalie. It's... Nobody says like top 20 under 50. It's yeah. not a... Or <laughs> under 40. Over 40. Or under 43. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that never no, happens. no, it doesn't exist. So this is like, you know, and it, as silly as it sounds, um, I was really excited to uh, be nominated. Sure. I my grandparents. Um, you know, we got my whole family riled up. Everybody was super jazzed, and I was really, really excited. My kids had a countdown on the wall to the gala. Wow. 
and uh, we were we were all super excited for this to take place. The kids also thought it was really funny because their dad's forty three and he was never a top twenty under forty. So <laughs> we had a we had a whole family um, ordeal going on around this. But uh, the day before the event, um, and I have to be honest because I I had not noticed the sponsor of the event. And so hadn't noticed because I just wasn't paying attention and just wasn't kind of aware enough. But as I told you, personally, I've been working really hard on trying to understand how to support indigenous communities better, how to be a better ally and advocate, how to use the privilege that I have to amplify the voices of our First Nations communities. It's really, really important to me. And I wanna be I wanna be a good first follower for our First Nations. And so um, the day before the event, one of my fellow nominees who was being nominated, see, so the awards weren't just business awards. They were awards for whatever leadership contribution you had made in your under 40 years. And so one of my um, colleagues posted the morning before, she become aware that um, the sponsor for the event was a major oil and gas company. And she was being nominated for her leadership on climate and the environment. And so it was grossly against her values to be able to stand up on a stage and possibly benefit from an award that was sponsored by a company that was building pipelines and, you know, poisoning water and all these kinds of other problems that we see on the west coast of our country. What's really interesting about Atlantic Canada and particularly New Brunswick is we don't have oil and gas pipelines. And our homes, like I lived in Toronto for a long time. We had a house uh, that was natural gas. That was almost every house. I was very rare to find a house that isn't heated by natural gas. But that's right. not the case in New Brunswick. And so there's a lot of talk about bringing pipelines to New Brunswick. But the truth is, as an optimist and as somebody who cares a lot about climate, I'm looking at renewables and saying, we don't need to go to oil and gas and then find a way to dig ourselves out as a region, we have an opportunity to just go to renewables. We have an opportunity to be a leader for once. And so um, that's my personal stance on the oil and gas industry in our region. Now, I've not been a, a loud, proud advocate necessarily publicly for the environment in our community, but I've been trying to figure out how to support indigenous communities better. And so when my colleague or the, my co-nominee stepped forward and said, I have to rescind my nomination. This sponsorship does not align with my values. And here are the reasons why. And particularly, you know, shared some of the information that I had already read about what's going on with oil and gas and indigenous people. Um, I rescinded my nomination as well. And so there were three of us that rescinded our nominations. There's another nominee that also did the same thing. And so um, I did speak to the organizers first. I care deeply about my community. I care deeply about our economy. Um, but I see this from a very optimistic angle. And I see this from the angle of, I was given a platform with this nomination and how was I going to use it? And for me, a trophy on the wall was not more important than using the privilege and voice that I have to amplify the voices of her our indigenous communities that we've benefited from so much on their backs. Yeah. And so I did that and uh, it was terrifying. And what was really scary about doing that is that I'm not normally an advocate 
for climate. It's just like it matters to me, but it's not something I've ever spoken out about before. Right. That's not Our the... community knows me as a business person first. And so it was the uh, scariest thing I ever did. But you know, it's oh, good for you. Yeah. And, and you know, I think anybody who's becoming an entrepreneur, um, I, I hope in 2019, 2020, who's deciding to be an entrepreneur and go into, you know, we talked, we had an episode, we talked about social um, enterprises. And I, mm-hmm. I think it's important that if you're, I think I, for at least for me, speaking for myself, which I advocate to is speak for yourself. Don't speak for the, what you believe. And I believe wholeheartedly that the world needs socially conscious entrepreneurs who build their business around, you know, we have a chance when you open a new business, you have a chance to build that business in a way that, as you said, like you're not doing oil and gas over there right now. So why not start with renewables rather than start with something that's an ancient technology and why not stand behind that and believe in it? So anything you do with entrepreneurship, I think that real genuine, I don't know, um, consciousness is so important. And I think it's part of long, I think the long-term success of an entrepreneur is having that, that belief system. Yeah, it's, it's essential. And, you know, I mean, one of the things that I learned from, from, I mean, I learned so many things and this just happened three weeks ago. So I'm still learning lots of lessons. Always, every day. Um, But like, I haven't felt a fear like that in a long time. I almost wondered, like, was I chasing the feeling of a fear, like the fear? Like I, I haven't felt anything kind of, and I really analyzed like, you know, what was this all about? And, And it was about everything I said it was, but um, I was like, what was I so scared of? You know, you're scared of a lot of things. Like you're scared, like, will people want to work with me after this? Um, will I be alienated in my community? Like I took a stand away from all the people that love me, all the people in that room know and love me and I love them. And, you know, do they feel betrayed? Um, there were so many things I was scared about. But the thing that just really got me, I was so scared to be called a hypocrite. Sure. I was so scared for people to turn and be like, but I saw you with the Tim Hortons cup and that has a plastic lid and that is a single, you know, single use plastic and therefore you're a hypocrite. I was scared for people to um, to speak out in that way. And that happened fast. That, that first kind of you're a hypocrite came like hours later. And I gotta say, it wasn't like I think a lot of us don't do things because we're afraid to look like a hypocrite because we're not perfect yet. Yeah, so and we no hold one's, back and until no one's, we're perfect. No one's perfect, right? And that's no, well, nobody is, and nobody wants to be valuable. held to that standard. But particularly when it comes to activism, because doing something like I did made a lot of people feel uncomfortable. So all of the nominees all of a sudden were like, "Am I a bad person if I go? Am I a bad person if I don't go?" Everybody was sitting with this weird, uncomfortable feeling, and you know, like I told you. I really, really wanted to be the good girl. <laughs> like I've always wanted to be the good girl my whole life. So doing something like that, causing discomfort for hundreds of people is really, really, really scary. Um, and when you feel uncomfortable like that, that's tensions created and everybody's just sitting there like, please, something relieve the tension. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Something has to relieve this tension. And so relief. sometimes that can come in terms of attacking the person yeah. who made you feel uncomfortable yeah. or whatever that is. Um, and so this idea that we hold ourselves back because we fear that someone's going to call us a hypocrite because we're not perfect people yet is like the number one lesson from this that I want people to 
to get from what I went through is that we do this to ourselves all the time. We have a gut feeling. We have, we're inspired to take action and we don't do it because we're not perfect yet. And someone might call us a hypocrite. It's uncomfortable. Someone might say we weren't good enough. It's uncomfortable and that's what entrepreneurship is as well. It can be very uncomfortable sometimes. So starting anything or standing behind something or standing for something, it's, it's uncomfortable. And, And I think that's, but that's the only way change happens. It's the only way anything moves forward, you know, and, and I think that's really an a, a important lesson from that. Just, so just being cognizant of your time, uh, what, what's next for you then, Natalie? What's going on in your, uh, in your business world, your life? What's, uh, what can you share with our, uh, our listeners as what's next with you? Yeah, we reached, recently launched a program that uh, I'm so excited about called Brand Therapy. And so, again, this comes back to that first cohort, continuing to interview them, continuing to understand how we can serve them. They graduated from the marketing lab about a year ago, and so many of them were like, I just wish we could have a regular check-in. Nothing mm-hmm. scheduled, no, per- or, sorry, not scheduled, but nothing like too planned in terms of curriculum. We just want an opportunity to connect with you and bounce things off you and get you know, get your insight and just take your brain for an hour. It's like, what would that look like? Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, that sounds a lot like when I go to therapy. <laughs> therapy, <laughs> yeah, to be yeah. honest, right? Yeah. Um, and so what's really interesting is even though these people are geographically, that, that we're learning from, are geographically located where we are, our goal is to scale well beyond sure. our city. And so we're developing programs um, and we're trying to serve markets that are not located where we are. And so brain therapy is one of the first opportunities to do that. So essentially, uh, you can get there on our website, you book online, and it's a Zoom session and it's literally myself and my business partner you get both of our brains so i'm the visionary she's the integrator you get so you don't just get me and crazy ideas you get somebody like rationalizing whether they make sense and uh you leave with your next step whatever perfect Uh, and that's at what's the contact for that made of marrow.com made of marrow.com slash Therapy. Brand therapy. Brand therapy. Okay. So and that'll all be in the show notes too. So um, thanks, Portia. Um, sorry, Portia does all of our brand. She's beside Mike. You can't see her, but she does all of our back end stuff and she's wonderful. Um, you know, we're excited to to share also that, um, you know, we've never done this live before. <laughs> it's a big moment, man. Big moment. It's your moment. It's not really your moment either. No. We're excited that you're um, not. Yeah. So every year we run an event called Epic and it is the gathering of the, probably the top 12 speakers on the planet um, that we have uh, over a hundred and we, we did the math today. We had over 130 different presenters apply to be part of um, our Epic community. And um, we are really pumped to say, Natalie, that um, you may not think that you are there yet, but we think you are. Um, so we're going to have you as one of our faculty this year at Epic in Toronto in May. Um, congratulations. Uh, <laughs> Joining. I, okay. Can I just say like anybody watching, I gotta say, I gotta say. So this time, 2015, so four years ago, yeah. I lost my, my job, like my dream job at the, as the marketing and sales manager at the home builder. And I, Literally, Mama Twins loved my job. It was my whole identity. I thought I was like, I thought I had like peaked. I thought like it was, that was it. It was over, you know? And 
this journey since has been, um, I never planned to be an entrepreneur. I never planned to be a speaker. I didn't think I could be a speaker. Like none of this I, I thought would even be possible. And in four short years, and I took a year off in there. So in three short years, I have had the most amazing people give me a shot when I on paper did not deserve it yet. And like over and over and over. And this is like the next one. Yeah. And every time my life has like leveled up, quote unquote, it's because it's, I know, and I can list all these people right now. Somebody looked at me and was like, I see something in you that doesn't exist on paper. And you, um, you just did that. And I just can't tell you what this means to me. So well, thank you. you're going to join Laura Gastner Odding. You're going to join Jonathan Fields and Neen James and Dr. James Rouse. And Many more to be named later. Uh, I can't even I can't name them all yet because there's like people don't even know yet. And it's been the most crazy process to choose. Um, and we're really blessed that we have people that want to do it, which is so awesome. Um, but for me, um, you know, the, the reason why, you know, we all agreed on you, the whole committee, there's five of us on the committee, uh, our selection committee, and we all agreed on you um, because one thing that really came through was authenticity. Um, you're very authentic, and we feel that, and you're very passionate. You know, you sent me videos, uh, which was above and beyond the call. Um, we appreciate that. And also, you know, you know, just meeting you in Moncton and meeting you again in, in, in Toronto last September, um, it's just, you just have a real... Um, you're magnetic. You have a magnetic personality, and I think your passion is going to come through in what you do. and And I want you to know that uh, you know some of these people speaking have been speaking for thirty years and and command command tens of thousands of dollars to speak, but you're right there. You're right there on the epic level with them. So, uh, yeah, we're excited to have you. We're like, have make you. no mistake, Natalie. I mean, and I can. I'm I'm part of the the, the selection committee, and and we, like we're all excited to have you. When we had the the talk, and it was just it was a unanimous vote. And it was it was great to have you. So. I mean, Stu gets the final say, but I mean, we were excited about it. And I got to say, I watched you, he shared your video, and I got to say, that was, like, good for you. Like, that was, I, like, the first thing that came to my head was, this young woman is a warrior of goodness. And, Thank I mean, you. So you got a bright light. I'm, I, I'm happy to see that it's shining, and I'm glad that it's going to shine at Epic. Yeah. So video marketing works is the moral of the story. Well, it certainly did. Well, I always <laughs> certainly did for you. <laughs> but you know what, Now I always say this to anybody, I always say, do a little bit more than expected, and it always takes you farther than you think. And, and you, like, oh, my heart is just exploding. But, like, really, guys, I can't tell you what this means to me. And I just, again, for your, like, for anybody listening, it was a cell phone video on a Sunday afternoon, two takes. Yeah, there you go. Like, so often we think we need to be perfect. Mm -hmm. No. And Jonathan Fields, like, Stedman was on his podcast. I am right now going to be, like, two steps from Oprah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I mean his his his, pod, it, man. his podcast is wonderful. Like Simon Sinek's been on it. Like he's got a great podcast lineup. It's two amazing. steps from Oprah. That's a quote of the day, though. Um, maybe we can have Oprah there. I'll talk to Jonathan. Um, but uh, anyway, we got it. We got to go. You got to go. Uh, oh, by the way, keep that in the DL because we haven't announced to anybody. This will be out in about four or five weeks. I'll let you know when it's going to come out. So. Um, like, don't tell anybody. We have mutual friends. Don't tell anybody, and I'm gonna jazz up my bio. Yeah, <laughs> we have we have mutual friends, and 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 some of them have applied to be part of this event. So, okay. um, yeah, but we'll we'll but you're gonna be announced. One we're doing about one a week. We're announcing, and uh, and this week we announced uh, Jonathan, 
um, which I just can't believe we got Jonathan. He's so he's so great. And I can't believe we got Natalie Davis. I, I and now I can't believe we've got Natalie Davison. So actually, it was funny because I think it was Kara. Like someone saw the video, the, the video they sent, and they're like, "Yep, in." It was maybe it was Kara. Kara, and it was just like in, and it was like so we have a group kind of message. Oh my god! And they saw it, and it was just literally like, and and like I was reading, like catching up on it. It was just in. And then I was like, okay, that was, you know, and then everybody debated about like, okay, well, great video. Let's, what's Natalie about, you know? And then it was, it was really. And also you don't have a speaker reel. Yeah. Well, and did you hear, I don't know if you, I saw you were watching my live yesterday, Stu. I don't know if you heard why I don't have a speaker reel, but there's a really good reason. I watched part of it, but I had to go to the bathroom. I'm sorry. That's okay. So the reason I don't have a speaker reel yet, and I'll be just like super honest with you because, um, because <laughs> yeah. I am that way. I have lots of great footage of me speaking. I think it's one, like, honestly, I would really like if I was going to hire that person in the reel. Uh, but I personally think I, I need to lose more weight before I can put in a reel. Isn't that crazy? Oh, it's I'm saying that because the more people I tell, the more ridiculous I'll feel, and I'll mm -hmm. have to speak real soon. Well, I'm glad that you feel ridiculous, because that is certainly, <laughs> you know, like that's certainly not the reason well, not to have that, yeah, a speaker. Not real. something ever crossed my mind. Yeah, exactly. So, so I, I know, it's it's funny know, because like you set yourself apart with that. Yeah, no, that's so true, right? So, but you set yourself apart with that uh, with that selfie video, I think, and and three you know, actually it was three videos. Three videos, so it was great. Good for you. I think it was three videos. Was it three videos? So, a final note: I thought you invited um, me to the podcast today because I didn't get epic and you wanted to give me something else so i wouldn't feel so bad yeah we wanted to let you give us your time to let you know <laughs> you wanted didn't to get, get you the didn't get the opportunity part. like oh he's probably this is probably his like well I can't do epic but here's a podcast interview no we we're, we're excited and and you'll learn more we'll talk more about it later on but um natalie on behalf of uh, myself and and nick uh, Mikey and Portia, thanks for joining us on the on the podcast. So uh, anyway, so we're super excited that we're going to see you in September at that cool event that we all go together. Uh, if you super don't know, top if you don't secret. know, it's super secret. Exactly. And uh, see you then. And we have a secret handshake, and it's oh, it's unbelievable. Um, anyway, <laughs> thanks, Natalie. You're awesome. And uh, hello to the East Coast from the center of Canada. That's oh, forget it. Wow. Anyway, that was awful. We'll anyway, cut that. But goodbye. Moncton's the center of Canada. Moncton is. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> thanks, Natalie. <laughs>
I want to say from the bottom of my heart, thank you for the the dozen listeners who listen to us. Yeah. And um, I don't know what song we're playing today. I don't, like you are, you are been awful with these songs. It's called Shut Up and Let Me Go by the Ting Tings. And I think we should just let it go. Let's play on that. My name is Nick Foley. I'm Stu Saunders. Uh, until we talk next time, keep being authentic. authentic.